Lord, open my lips that my mouth may proclaim your praise. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. We're listing starboard, or is this port? I don't know. (laughs) It feels like uneven here. Uh, (laughs) It's good to have you all here. Great to have you guys. It's wonderful. Uh, Just a great witness. I love it uh, when the scouts are here and, um, and we get to see on the campus also um, some of the work of our Eagle Scouts and ongoing. If you look around the campus, we have Stations of the Cross. That was the last Eagle Scout project and we, um, we just are really blessed by their presence. So thanks for being here today. It's wonderful. Um, I'm, I'm a bit of a history buff. I really enjoy um, reading about history and uh, the history channels. There was last year um, on British television, there was a series called Tudor Monastery Farm. And um, in it, two uh, male archaeologists and a, a female historian um, actually went back in time so that no mod cons at all. Um, they wore the clothing of the time. They lived in a uh, house, a farmhouse that was an exact replica of the time. Uh, so, you know, no glazing on the windows, that kind of stuff, a fire in the middle, how they lit those things, how they made um, fencing around pig pens, um, how they tilled the ground, how they made butter and, uh, and cream and cheese. And um, uh, what was amazing was that these things that people did back in Tudor, England, where um, the woman historian and also the, the archaeologists were then able to explain the physics of those things. People back then just knew that if you added this to this, um, then it, it worked. And she was able to explain, well, this is actually photosynthesis or whatever it was is going on. Well, um, she was cleaning out the creamery, the buttery one, one day, and said, you know, they did not have soap back in that day. So what they used to cleanse and to purify the wood so that no molds happened, nothing happened in the wood casks that they used to make the cream and the butter, she took a huge handful of salt and wiped the inside of the wooden barrel and then sloshed it around with water, put some more salt in there, sloshed it around, and and then put it so that the sunlight uh, uh, was in there. And, and apparently there's some kind of chemical reaction that actually does purify and cleanse and sanitize. And um, who knew? I mean, maybe some of you did, but, but I didn't know that's how you sanitize stuff. But you know, also, of course, salt was used before refrigeration to preserve meats. Um, That was the only way to keep food available over long periods of time. It was also used to bring out the flavor in food, to season food, and apparently in small amounts it could also be used as a fertilizer to uh, to promote growth in the soil. 
Well, Jesus is telling his disciples and us that we are to be the salt of the earth. And so, you know, we could look at this in the details of all of those different uses of salt that we are to be used of God to purify, to get cleanse the world of evil, to be in ourselves that salt that goes out to be a cleansing agent in the world. Or that we are to be salt in the way of um, speaking and, and being people who um, are, uh, prevent moral decay in society, in the world. Or that we are salt used as fertilizer to promote the growth of God's people or his word in the world. We're to be salt as seasoners that season the world with the kingdom of God. Those are maybe all a stretch a little bit too far, but you get an idea. Um, Pliny, writing, who was a Roman um, natural historian, wrote a book called Natural History in about 50, 60 AD. And he said this, he said, there is nothing more useful than salt and sunshine. Um, So this was known way before Tudor times in England. uh, In the 50s uh, AD, he's already stating there is nothing more useful than salt and sunshine. So at the very least, as Jesus' disciples, we are necessary for the welfare of the world. We are to be both salt, says Jesus, acting in the world for good and light. Uh, You maybe have seen the kind of lamps that they used back in that era in first century Palestine. They're rather small. They're only about the size of a hand, most of them. They're clay, and you'd pour oil into them, olive oil into them, put a little wick out through through the nozzle at the end, and then light it. It was expensive. Um, Olive oil was was expensive commodity. So um, you lit them sparingly. They didn't shed much light where they were so they had to be placed high up so that the light diffused down uh, to all of the corners of the room and and maybe far enough out so oftentimes people would use if they didn't have um, a made lampstand out of wood or something that they would use the baskets bushel baskets in which grain would come or, and stand that on there well it would have been unheard of Uh, to be so wasteful, of course, as to light one of those lamps and then instead of placing it on the bushel basket, to put the bushel basket over it. That makes no sense. Once there's light, you keep the light shining. In the same way, um, a city that's on on a hill, it just cannot be hidden. You can't hide a city that's high up on a hill because you can see it from all the way around. We are, says Jesus, to be both salt and light. He says this, Let your light shine before others so that, you know I love that little word, so those two words, so that people may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So it's always to point to God to give him the glory because 
Of course, we never shine with our own lights. We're very dim wicks. <laughs> we don't have an awful lot of light to shed out there. The light's not ours. It's Christ's light that has come within us. We have been given Christ. And so it's his light that is to shine forth into the world. Um, Many of you remember Mother Teresa. She oftentimes gave lectures and people would come from all over to hear her speak. Well, this one occasion, people had come from all over the world to hear her speak. And at the end, and many of them had come from religious orders in America as well. There were several um, religious orders of women in America who had gone. And at the end of the lecture, uh, she said, are there any questions? And this one woman from one of the religious orders in America got up and said, yes, I have one. Um, You know that the religious orders in America, the numbers are declining. And yet, your order is just increasing in numbers exponentially. What is it? What's the difference? What is it that you do? And Mother Teresa answered, I give them Jesus. And the woman said, yes, I know, but take habits, for example. Do your women like to wear their habits? What about the rules of the order? Um, Are they all right with those? And Mother Teresa said, I give them Jesus. Yes, I know, Mother, but can you be more specific, says the woman. I give them Jesus, repeated Mother Teresa again. Mother, said the woman, we're all so very much aware of your fine work, but I want to know something else. And Mother Teresa repeated quietly, I give them Jesus. There is nothing else. We are to be the light of the world And that light is Jesus, who resides in us and must shine forth from us through the working of God's Holy Spirit. It's what St. Paul is writing about when he's writing to the church in Corinth. He says, we receive not the spirit of the world, but the spirit that is from God in fulfillment of God's promised prophecy, both through Ezekiel And Jeremiah, he said this, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You see, the external demands of the law become the internal desires of the heart when Jesus comes and takes up residence. We move from being told what to do externally by the law and move to want to do 
what the Lord calls us to do because he's placed that desire within us. The law, says Jesus, is not abolished because the law perfectly reveals God. It perfectly reveals his perfect and holy character. It perfectly reveals his will for our relationships amongst each other. It perfectly reveals how we are to be at peace amongst each other. There is great wisdom in the law and the prophets. But when it is externally put on us and placed on it, we have a tendency to push back against it and judgment comes in. But Jesus says, I haven't come to abolish that law. I've come to fulfill it. Because in Jesus, what the law points to is completely fulfilled. He is God. He shows forth the will of God. And he, in and of himself, walks God's ways. And he comes and lives in us. So that the law is no longer external to us, but internal to us. To change the way we act to change who we are. We are transformed into Christ. So that indeed it is his light that is shining from us. It is his righteousness. Jesus says, your righteousness has to exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. Well, we can't do that in our own strength. The Pharisees and scribes tried, and Jesus had words with them about it. They bounded people in so very greatly that they put great burdens on the people. Our righteousness only comes from Christ. He is our righteousness. As Paul said, the mystery of God is Christ and him crucified. Because Jesus' perfect obedience to the will of God, to the law of God, to God's ways, enabled him to be a perfect sacrifice for our sins and provides the way for his disciples to then be obedient with him Because he is in us. It's an inside-out transformation, not an outside-upon commandment against which we cannot adhere to. It's inside. I don't know about you, but um, I find myself, the older I get, um, there are things that I just pick up a book and think, I don't really want to read that now. It doesn't bring life to me. Or there's a TV show that you think, you know, 15, 20 years ago, yeah, you could sit through that. But now it's like, I don't know, it's a waste of time, really. It's not edifying me. It's not that I don't receive it as punishment. I don't receive it as deprivation. Actually, I receive it as life 
because I'm led to things, to read things that really feed my spirit. I'm led to shows or to movies that really feed me, that uplift me, that draw me closer and closer to the heart of God. And don't get me wrong, it's not outside. I'm not being told, you should not go and look at that movie. You should not read that book. What do we do when we hear that? We just go and look at that movie or read that book. It's just the desire of the heart that gets changed. And that's the work of God and the Holy Spirit in us. You know, and as our, our, our lives move from the heart to the mind, they move outward also to our bodies. So that there is no longer the desire to wear that really provocative dress or blouse or whatever. It's not that somebody said, you just look really inappropriate. Well, I'll go on being inappropriate then. It's that, you know, it's that inside we don't have that desire anymore. The desire has been changed. You know, we, we wear our, on our bodies the things that glorify God. Uh, not because we've been told to, but because it's the desire of our heart. It's not taking away our freedom. It's actually being more free. We've been given freedom in all of these things. And not only that, it moves from our heart to our head, to our bodies, and then to our relationships. It is no longer good for us to go through life unreconciled to people. There's this heart within us that seeks peace and reconciliation in relationships. It's no longer sufficient to just say, oh well, I don't even want to give them the time of day, I'm not going to work on that and walk away. It's the desire of our heart to actually go and say, what did I do? Can I make it better? Can we be reconciled? Because that's the peace of God that works from within, inside to outside, that transforms our lives as we go, bringing peace into the world, being salt and being light, Christ's light. He's the only one that can do that kind of transformative work. We can't do it by external law. The external law points to the character of God, to God who comes and resides in us so that we know deep down inside and the voice keeps pulling us more and more, not to constrain us, not to take away our freedom, to to give us this amazing freedom in him so that we're no longer bounded by what society thinks or says we should do, but we're working within the world to bring good into the world, to bring welfare into the world, to be salt and light into the world. About 25 years ago, there was a sociology professor in Baltimore, and um, he sent his his, uh, students into uh, the worst slum area in the city of Baltimore to interview 200 boys. And uh, he had them come back and uh, give a report on each of the boys that had been interviewed. And to a person, the students came back and said, he doesn't have a chance. Well, 25 years later, another sociology professor in the same university found this study, and he thought it would be interesting to go and try and see if we could find these boys. 
So they found 180 of them. 20 had either moved away or some of them had also died. Of the 180, 176 had done remarkably well. They were doctors, they were businessmen, they were professors, they were uh, lawyers. They, they, they had done remarkably well. And so the professor had the students ask them what it was. And to a boy, they said, there was a teacher. And so the professor thought, well, what was the magic formula? What was it about um, this particular teacher? So he found the teacher still living and still had all her buttons. And he said, um, so um, what was your magic formula? And she said, I love those boys. See, the whole of the law and the prophets can be summed up by loving God and loving your neighbor. And so the light that shines forth is the love of God. We are to be a people revealing Christ's love. We are to be those who are salt and light to the world, shining forth Christ's light into the world, bringing his love to dark places to unhappy places. May we be so. Amen.